Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Oh, yes, the Suez Canal is flowing again. Check on the Strait of Hormuz, Kyle. Make sure that there isn't a dinghy stuck in the Strait of Hormuz. (laughs) Gene had a great take this morning. It is amazing that something as seemingly simple as a boat... Scott, it's one of the largest cargo ships in the world. Okay, I know, but I just being facetious. A boat. A boat gets stuck in the Suez Canal. There's a good chance you and I are paying more the next time we fill up our cars. Isn't that amazing? We are indeed a you know a, a globalized society. What happens in Egypt? There's a boat stuck in Egypt. And odds are we could be paying a little bit more for maybe gas, maybe a few other products. Here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, how in the world does that happen? No, I'm Jeff is out. Somebody said, Scott, what do you mean parts unknown? He's enjoying Florida sunshine and warmth at his new vacation property there. Okay, fine. I was going to allow some mystery and intrigue to linger over the whereabouts of Jeff Wagner, but uh, fine. If he said he's going to Florida, then that's where he is. No, I, I, I'm serious on this one. I have zero problem. I have no issues learning that Los Angeles area lifeguards earn six figures. Like, if you hear that, what is your immediate reaction? Your immediate reaction to that is what? Are you kidding me? I ran into more people in the building than not that reacted, that is absurd, that is overly priced. I have no problem with Los Angeles area lifeguards earning six figures. The top L.A. area lifeguard... $392,000 in pay and benefits in 2019. $392,000. Is that too much? Is that too much for a lifeguard? If you you think it is, tell me. 855-616-1620. Kyle, what is your immediate reaction when I say lifeguards out there? Now, again, this is Oceanside lifeguards. This is a, you know, 12, basically 12-month-a-year job. This is not the guy sitting poolside going hey 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 stop splashing no 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 that's the deep end don't go in there these are people that are charged with saving lives saving lives shark infested waters or you know somebody drowning because they're not as good a swimmer they're taken out by the you know the undercurrent or something like that six figures for a lifeguard pay and benefits you say what what's your immediate reaction you said this was the highest ranking person of that of this group, he's making, the highest he's making paid. the three hundred. He's the highest paid. I would think that their job, that there's a lot to their job that I just don't even know about. Because this is somebody that isn't just sitting on the chair, you know, ten feet up, uh, watching the beach. I think it's someone that understands uh, the, the tide and the currents that that have, they have to deal with, uh, especially for the ocean. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of things that I would think of if I were doing that job. Because uh, for me, it's just, I think of someone just sitting in the chair But there. does that bother you? Like, six figures for a lifeguard. And you go, that's that, that's absurdly 
overpaid. Six figures for a lifeguard? Come on. I mean, if I were to say uh, another profession, if I were to say, uh, let's see, what what profession can I say and not offend uh, uh, too many people? A librarian. If I told you that there's a librarian in Los Angeles that makes $392,000, your reaction, can I say, would be, uh, what? They make three hundred ninety-two grand. That would be my reaction. So a lifeguard, six figures. It doesn't sound like you got a real problem with that. No, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out ways to justify it, but I don't have a problem with it. It makes me think of what, what do I not know about that job that makes that figure so high? The crux of the matter for me, quite frankly. No, somebody uh, disagree here. Somebody disagree. 855-616-1620. Tell me why $392,000 for a Los Angeles lifeguard is too much. Because what is a lifeguard? Boil it down. A lifeguard is a first responder, right? A first responder. Just like police, just like uh, fire, in that they are charged with saving lives, when called upon hmm, and have a dangerous life a dangerous job because their lives in in charge with saving the lives of others they themselves while trained to the hilt they themselves are risking their lives if i said that there is a firefighter or a policeman making $392,000 would there be a lot of pushback Look, I, I just, I, it seems like every once in a while we learn the pay and benefits and the total compensation for people in varying professions and we get upset. How in the, and most of it's, you know, based out of jealousy and envy, be honest. I'm speaking out of, you know, my own <laughs> reaction too. But not for this. Six figures. Six figures. I'm totally fine with it. Mike in Illinois. Are you uh, three hundred ninety-two grand for a lifeguard? What, what, you, you okay with that? You don't like yeah, it? Uh, initial reaction is uh, yeah, excessive. Um, I certainly think I just got back from California uh, last night, and um, yes, they are first responders. They, in my opinion, deserve as much as firefighters or police officers because they are putting themselves at risk in more than one kind of situation. Uh, but six figures, I think that's a little too much. Why not just bump up the pay of the firefighters and the police then? Why lower the uh, lifeguards to the level, uh, the pay level of those other professions you mentioned? Why not raise them up a little bit, Mike? Why not? Well, I guess I never thought of it that way. Um, that certainly is another topic for discussion, but um, I think that has been established pretty well about what firefighters and police officers start at, and it's a decent salary, mm-hmm. and they can, make, they can get into six figures in the higher level. But lifeguards, I mean, I just, 300000 for a top lifeguard, that just seems a little excessive. Did you visit the beach at all? Did you go into the ocean? I did. did. Oh, this is great. Yes, I did. So, the next time and there you... were no lifeguards on duty, by the way. There weren't? No. There were not, not that I saw, at least. What the... Maybe... Well... I was at Venice Beach. The oh. lifeguard tower was looked abandoned, actually. Was there the swim at your own risk sign? There was no sign. I think it's kind of like an understood thing because um, I lived in California for a year, and most of the time I didn't see the lifeguards, I have to say. So I'd have to say that that was sort of understood. Wow. All right. 
Maybe maybe you've uncovered some sort of scandal. Maybe we wouldn't that be amazing here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> Milwaukee, we have we have uncovered a a scandal in Los Angeles. The lifeguards are collecting six figures, and yet for some reason they were not on duty the week Mike was out there. Mike, thanks for the call, man. Well, um, next time you head I, out to I California, you keep thing. us posted. Yeah. I will, but just want to say your co-host is probably right. There's probably a lot of their job that we don't know what they do. So just wanted to add that. Yeah, could be. Probably a lot of training. Uh, thanks, Mike. Could be a lot of maybe training that goes into it as well. They, here's the thing, though. Um, a lot of it is overtime, which is odd if Mike's saying he didn't see any lifeguards out there. Seven lifeguards in Los Angeles made more than $300,000. 82 lifeguards had total earnings that exceed $200,000. The most highly paid lifeguard in L.A. made $392,000. He's the acting chief lifeguard. The second highest pulled down about $140,000 in base pay. Hmm. Overtime pay drives earnings into corporate executive range, they say. So I'm not sure how the overtime comes to be. Maybe they just don't have enough qualified lifeguards. There's a pay disparity between men and women in lifeguards. I guess maybe we shouldn't be shocked at that, considering the way society still is in many ways. Now, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. You might assume that highly uh, high pay rewarded great heroism. You know, I rescued 17 people last year. Oh, good. You've earned a bonus. You've earned more money. No, that's not the case. Not at all. They found they award something called the Medal of Valor. They found that many of the lifeguards who won the Medal of Valor, exhibiting bravery for saving lives, failed to crack the top of the county's payroll. Hmm. That needs to be adjusted, I think. That needs to be adjusted. Beach lifeguard pay dwarfs that of their colleagues at the pools. I think you probably assume that, as they found that the highest paid senior pool lifeguard made only $47,000, including pay and benefits. So, I don't know. Not sure. Somebody's wondering, you know, somebody did say, you know, what what else do lifeguards do? Uh, Ted in Bensonville. Hey, Ted. Hey, Scott, how are you today? Beautiful day, huh? So far, so good. It's 44, but gusty, I heard. It's going to get warmer. Sun's got, well, of course, I'm down here. You know, maybe it's a little different. But in any event, you know, t- listening to your story, when you say, I keep thinking of Hasselhoff, the head lifeguard <laughs> in L.A., yeah. I think of the Hoff, and the Hoff is worth at least 300 k The Hoff is worth untold million, you know? <laughs> How much? So there you go. Thank you. No more questions. Thank you, Ted. Yes. David Hasselhoff is running around out there somewhere going, I deserve every penny of a six-figure settlement. Do lifeguards like to be compared to the Baywatch show? Did Baywatch do harm to the industry of lifeguards? Or maybe, maybe it led more people to say, hey, I'd like to be a lifeguard. Maybe this is a field, maybe this is a career path I might like to follow. Or is there a, like, is there a stigma attached? I, I don't know. 
I honestly, I don't know any lifeguards. I think I know a couple people maybe that were, you know, for a summer job as a kid or as a teenager to make a little money during the uh, some well, summertime. They were a, a, a pool lifeguard or something like that. What do you think? Did Baywatch help or hurt the lifeguard industry? I think it would have definitely hurt it in the sense of hypersexualizing mm. certain individuals uh, that, that would have that, uh, have that job. I mean, I... <laughs> That I, that's the only reason why Baywatch, I think, I feel was popular. It wasn't because of what well, of Hasselhoff course. was doing. Look, look, if if all, what can I say here? If all of the lifeguards on Baywatch, um, well, yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll say it this way: if all the guys on Baywatch looked like me, and they were running around in flannel pajamas, okay, probably not a hit show. We'll just put it that way. And obviously the women looked a certain way on Baywatch, Pam Anderson and company, and that certainly sold that show and the ratings and things like that. Yeah, that, okay, so you're right. From that perspective, I bet Baywatch did damage to just the reputation of lifeguards and the sexualization of lifeguards. And if on your Jeff Wagner Show bingo card, you had a reference to David Hasselhoff and Baywatch in the first half hour of today's show. Congratulations. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Somebody on the text line says, let me tell you, one time back when it was still the Country Springs Hotel, what is it now, the Ingleside, right? Yeah. A teenage lifeguard jumped in and saved a drowning miner uh, right next to me that I had no idea was in distress. And it was probably within an arm's reach for me. That was your child they would save. You'd be if, if that was your child, they'd be willing to save. If that was your child they would save, you'd be willing to pay them anything. Well, that's the thing. See, a lot of people going, that's, that's ridiculous. Now, put your loved one out there. Spouse, child, whatever. Put your loved one out there, and you might be going, well, you know what? <laughs> it's worth every penny. And somebody did say that cost of living in Los Angeles Maybe warrants a little bit more, right? You get paid that much in L.A., it, you need to, just to pay rent and things like that. Um, coming up after the news, um, I'm going to get into what the district uh, attorney, or I'm sorry, the state's attorney in, Merrill, um, in Maryland, Baltimore state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, remember her? Uh, she's been in the news for other reasons as well, obviously, in, in the past year, year plus. But a really interesting decision, a very interesting decision she made when it comes to the call to stop prosecuting certain, quote, low-level offenses. And she did it last year in conjunction with COVID-19 to try and contain the prison population knowing that the prison population and the overcrowding there would be susceptible to a spread of the virus. So in order to keep the population down, they, in essence, suspended and altogether stopped prosecuting certain offenses. Well, guess what? After, in essence, 12 months' worth of data, which I have some issues with, after 12 months, Marilyn Mosby has decided, you know what? We're going to stop prosecuting them, period. We're going to stop prosecuting drug possession. We're going to stop prosecuting prostitution. 
We're going to stop prosecuting minor traffic violations and other low-level offenses because the, the numbers tell us that in the last year, that in the last year, more major crime, quote-unquote, has gone down in our city. And so the theory that prosecuting smaller crimes will yield a lower level and fewer major crimes, that's a fallacy. In our city, that's not true at all. And now we have a year's worth of empirical data to back that up. I have several questions when it comes to this decision, and I'm going to get your reaction to them as well, because it hits. I think it hits you on a few different levels, one of them being the old slippery slope. Well, if this, then what's next? Then what else might there be as well? Also, uh, later this afternoon, Marquette's going to be um, introducing Shaka Smart. And I know, I feel like I have to do this uh, for Jeff, who is a proud Marquette uh, alum and has season tickets to the Golden Eagles, his Warriors. Or is he called Golden Warriors? I forget. He has season tickets. We're going to do this, too, before 3 o'clock. Just your reaction to the news that came on Friday that Shaka Smart is the new Marquette head coach because I know there's a lot of college basketball fans out there as well. A lot of good stuff to get to before 3 o'clock here on WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I love the shots of uh, the new coach as he arrives on the tarmac. <laughs> it's always I'm always reminded of when the helicopter and the cameras were following Brett Favre and the will he, won't he, where's he going? He's on the tarmac, he's coming back. Oh no, he's leaving Green Bay and we had the helicopter following his car. Yep, I just saw the oh, I just saw some of the uh, the B-roll footage as they say in television. Shaka Smart stepping off the plane, getting into an unmarked vehicle. A, a black sedan as he drives him. Okay, all right. Um, so Jeff was skeptical on the Shaka Smart thing, huh? We'll get into that a little bit later on. I didn't catch his show on Friday, but I guess he would have been able to react because that news came Friday morning. You said he was, he's a little bit, uh, he's uh, pumped the brakes on the enthusiasm and the excitement, huh? Yeah, he wasn't, um, he wasn't totally excited about it, mm. but I mean, he, it, it, it it sounded like he wasn't going to be too happy with anything that they would have done. Uh, I know that they were talking the ramblings about maybe the guy from Loyola Chicago, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't have. He said that no? that wouldn't have excited him. Did so. he have a name? Did he have a name? I haven't talked to him since the Wojo firing. It was the the coach before Wojo, possibly, uh, or, or a coach from uh, two times before. Tom Crean. Yeah, I think that was it. Jeff yeah. wanted Tom Crean to come back. Yeah. He entertained that idea. <laughs> All right. Well, we. No, no. We know we don't need Tom Crean anymore. Um. All right. That's interesting. We're not going to prosecute drug possession, prostitution, minor traffic violations, and other low-level offenses anymore in Baltimore, Maryland. What? I'm sorry. That's my initial reaction when I see the headline. I'm sorry, what? What's the reason for it? What's the reason for it? What's the first thing that pops in your mind? What's the first thing that pops in your mind when, when you hear that? 
On Friday, um, Baltimore's state attorney, Marilyn Mosby, said the data suggests there is no public safety value in prosecuting low-level offenses. This all stems from her decision a year ago to pare back the prosecution of, of well, crimes. Although, here's a, here's a question. I, I have so many questions. I have so many questions about this. One of the questions I have is, well, if you're not prosecuting it anymore, is it still a crime? He's probably said, well, technically, Scott, it's on the books as a crime, but if it's not being prosecuted, eh, how much of a crime is it really? She did it a year ago to keep the prison population down to try and avoid COVID running rampant through the jails. Okay? All right. Look, I, I'm not completely adverse to that. It worked. It worked. But now she's using that data. Here's another question I have. How can you use that data and claim that this is a hard and fast proven fact now that there is no public safety value in prosecuting low-level offenses? She says this because nearly all categories of crime have since declined. And she and other criminal justice experts who've argued for years the premise that crackdowns on the quality of crimes are not necessary for stopping more serious crime. I'll say that again. The theory is crackdowns on quality of life crimes, like drug possession, like prostitution, like minor traffic violations, cracking down on that, on those things, not really necessary for stopping more serious crime. In the last year, they looked at what happened in Baltimore. Violent crime is down 20%. Property crime has declined 36%. Homicides inched down, though Baltimore still has one of the highest homicide rates among cities nationwide. Researchers at John Hopkins found sharp reductions in calls to police complaining about drugs and prostitution. Why might there have been fewer calls to police complaining about drugs and prostitution in the last year? Hmm? Again, I'm just a layman here. I'm not a criminal justice expert. Newsflash. I'm not a policing expert. I'm just... I'm. I'm, I'm I'm just a guy sitting here going, now, if you're going to use the last year as the be-all, end-all for your new policy and saying, look, all these categories of crime were down in the last year, there's two explanations I have for it as, I will say, a layman of the industry. There's two explanations as to why statistics show There's less drug possession, less prostitution, less minor traffic violations. Violent crime is down in the last year. Uh, Two explanations for that. Um, Let's go to the phones here. Ah, Judge David Borowski joins us on WTMJ. Hello, Your Honor. How are you? Good. How are you? What is your immediate reaction when you heard this or you read this or you learned of this new policy in Baltimore? What should we be thinking? I'm a layman. You are the, this is, I'm glad you called. You are the antithesis on the topic. I am a common man. You are a man tasked in knowing the law 
and the teeth of law and the impact it can have on society. And your reaction to this is what? Well, my reaction was, if it wasn't a serious topic, would be to chuckle. And, and, and here's the reason. That rationale, I, I disagree with completely. Because when you say, well, I'm not going to prosecute low-level drug offenses. Okay, fine. But then where do you draw the line? Because very, very often, low-level drug offenses become high-level drug offenses. And when you say, I'm not going to prosecute prostitution, well, prostitution often turns into child trafficking and things that are more serious than, you know, what people commonly think of as maybe streetwalker-type prostitution. I'm not a DA, and I'm not a police officer, but I've seen this for well over a decade, uh, and I would disagree with that philosophy. Okay. Um, strongly, actually. The, the, the other thing that struck me when they tout the fact that, well, look over the last 12 months with this scaled back enforcement. Violent crime is down 20%. Property crime has declined 36%. Homicides inch down, although Baltimore still has one of the higher rates in the nation. Um, and they found sharp reductions in calls to police complaining about drugs and prostitution. Now, I have two, Judge, there are two things that come to my mind. One of them being, uh, yeah, there's been a pandemic. There's a lot less of everything going on in the last year. I mean, is that not the obvious first answer as to why? Gee, why are all these statistics lower than they were in years before? Because everything is, there was less of everything going on in 2020 and in the last calendar year. Plus, Judge, tell me if I'm off here. Plus, if you're not prosecuting those cases, will the crime numbers not automatically go down because we're not arresting, so we're not prosecuting, so there's a drop in crime. Am, am, am I am well, I right. missing something not, here? <laughs> if you're not arresting, if you're not arresting and you're not prosecuting, there really aren't any statistics to right. keep track of. When you mention the pandemic, okay, gas prices a year ago, last March, April, May, crashed. Why? Because not a single person was driving anywhere, so there was a direct connection. I don't know how she could even realistically know what the statistics were for last year because the pandemic skewed statistics yeah. everywhere. Maybe in her city, some of those things were lower. In Milwaukee, unfortunately, we had a homicide rate that doubled what it was the year before. So the pandemic has affected things all across the board, not just in the realm of criminal justice, but certainly within the realm of criminal justice. Everything from drunk driving cases to homicides have been affected. Some have gone up, some have gone down. But the general philosophy, you know, if you think back 10 years ago to our former police chief, uh, Flynn, when he decided, maybe it was more like five to eight years ago, he told people we're not going to pursue basically anybody when they're fleeing a police officer. He decided we're not going to pursue anybody. Right. Well, what that resulted in objectively and clearly was rolling drug houses and more people fleeing the police. So yeah, I, telling people we're, we're not going to yeah. charge any drug offenses, and I'm not saying she shouldn't have discretion. Every DA should have discretion, and every police officer should have discretion. But when you lay out a blanket policy, as Ed Flynn did, you know, seven to ten years ago, well, we're not going to chase anybody, that results in, you know, the other people are going to respond accordingly. In yeah. Milwaukee, they responded by rolling drug houses and fleeing. Well, there they're going to respond by, well, hell, if no one's charging drug crimes... Well, it's going to be a lot easier for us right. to yeah, look, stand on a corner I, and deal I, drugs. Right. I'm, I am open, and I've said this on other shows, on, on my regular nightly show. 
I am open to looking at everything. If you want to talk about police reform, I'm open to the ideas. Now, there are some ideas I'll shoot down right away as silly, stupid, and altogether just not feasible. Some things I think maybe have some staying power or are worth exploring. So I'm open to everything. But this one, like you say, just outwardly saying right off the bat, uh, we're not going to be prosecuting drug possession, prostitution, minor traffic violations anymore. That just doesn't seem to be a winner. I would, I at least would wait back and, like you say, and go, look, look, give me a little more time. Give me a more, quote-unquote, regular year in our lives, a regular societal year. And then maybe the numbers can tell us something else. I just, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling, Your Honor. Well, and when you and when you mentioned the, the the last topic I'll mention is when you mentioned well, we're not going to prosecute minor traffic violations. Well, okay, if that means you know we're not going to charge you or give you a ticket for a right turn on red, fine. If that means you're ignoring people going, and this happens in Milwaukee, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour down city streets, the next step then, unfortunately, is many of those people end up plowing into cars or trees or plowing into occupied cars and people are maimed or killed. You can't just make blanket policies like that because the attending consequences sometimes, to me, are obvious, but are increased when you make a blanket policy. The attending consequences get worse. Mm. Judge David Borowski weighing in on this one. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. I appreciate the call. Thank thank you. Yeah. No, I got, I got, I got judge. I'm glad he called in. Really? I got one text. I got one text on this. Really? Here's the other thing that kind of irks me. I got to take this break. I know. Clearly, she says the data suggests there's no public safety value in prosecuting low-level offenses. There's no public safety value in prosecuting low-level offenses. There's another value, public value, in prosecuting those offenses. Is there not? That's next. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Public value that I think is at risk in Baltimore or in areas of the country where they're going to implement similar no prosecution policies is just in the in the overall public value of your community, right? In the overall wellness of society. There's nobody that wants to li- nobody says I I live and I love living in the neighborhood where there's prostitution on the corners. I love that. Oh, it's great. Come visit me. Yeah, let's take a drive around the neighborhood here. I want to show you some of the nobody nobody takes pride in that. There's no civic pride in that. Or drug possession. Here, let me drive you past the drug houses on my block. Oh, it's great. Oh, it brings trap. No. So, again, I don't know. The more I, the more I think about this, the more frustrated I get. Am I, am I missing something here? I mean, is this a, is this a good thing? Is this a, is this a good? I'm trying to see both sides, and I'm really having a heck of a time, uh, time trying to find the good side or the well, the optimistic side of them not prosecuting drug possession, prostitution, minor traffic violations, for the uh, for the reasons that David Browski mentioned. 
in terms of what could that lead. Now they're saying, well, it doesn't lead to larger crimes. It doesn't lead to more high-profile uh, crimes, worse crimes, as it were. The stats don't prove that. But again, back to the stats, how can you say any statistics from the year 2020 can be taken as normal stats when there was nothing normal about 2020? Nobody acted normal. There was nothing there was nothing, and, and I, w- I would say this across the board, if there's anybody out there in law enforcement, in policing, in any industry, any industry, don't take a sample size of 12 months being 2020 and say, look at my numbers, this proves my hypothesis, this proves that I was right when I say X, Y, Z, whether it's in law enforcement, policing, whatever. You can't look at those numbers and take them to be gospel because of how truly an oddity the year was. And people acted differently. Society was different in 2020. And yet, unfortunately, for the folks in Baltimore, Baltimore County, they're going to see a lot less drug possession prosecution, a lot less prostitution prosecution, and minor traffic violations, other low-level offenses as well. This is the new permanent thing. And other places are probably looking at it, too, and they are looking at it. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. This is very much, okay, it works here. Could it work there? No, it won't. All right, then we won't do it. But if it's happening one spot, you know it's happening elsewhere. Here's another intriguing question we don't have time for right now. Hose is any different than marijuana. We found last week that it's going to be a $1 fee, a $1 penalty, right, for a, a certain degree of marijuana possession here in Milwaukee. How's that any different? Well, is it still a crime? Yeah. Cost you a dollar. I'm telling you, it's not a crime. It's not a crime between your ears. If you know going in, you're not going to be prosecuted for it. That's just a shame. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. I don't know if you saw this, Mike. There's reports that a sailboat is blocking the Panama Canal. <laughs> I thought it'd be wider than that, but I guess not. in that one spot. In that one spot of the Panama Canal, it's just the the length of a sailboat. I googled famous canal. How many canals can you name? Ready, go. Boy, look at both you guys. Suez. Suez. Panama. Kyle? Know your let's play Jeff Wagner's favorite game. Know your canals. Anybody? What's the one in Chile? The Chile the, Canal? No, you can't just put the name of the country before the word canal. Well, canal it Street, can- New Orleans. How about that? Is that a good one? That counts. Put it up on the board. Well, there's Canal Street right here in Milwaukee. Yeah, we're here oh. too. There's Canal Streets all the, over the place. It's the Potawatomi Canal. It's a street. Is it, has a the ship ever gotten stuck there? Or no. The Dubai. No, I did once. Dubai Water Canal. All right. How about the the one in Greece? The Corinthian Canal connected the Gulf of Corinth with the Aegean Sea. In Pakistan, you have the Kachi Canal. Kachi. Poland, you have the Augusto Canal, the Eblog Canal, the Danube Oder Canal. Boy, there was a Danube odor once in our kitchen area, and poof, took a while for that to leave. Um, the Dubai Water Canal, 
Finland has the Saima Canal. You got to say it like a uh, Finnish. Um, yeah, okay. Canals. We have no official canals in Wisconsin. Did you know that? Canal free. Guadalcanal. Somebody texted in. <laughs> Erie Canal, John in Burlington. All right, see, now we got it going. Could have made a game out of this. Isn't it, though? There's also some irony. Is it irony? Is that the right word? Well, there's... There, there's. It's interesting and fascinating, maybe ironic, that the moon played a role in moving that ship, in essence. As it does. But nobody knew it ahead of time? Is that is that my understanding? Like, nobody realized, hey, coming up on Sunday the 28th, Monday the 29th, yeah, you got We're gonna get a super moon, or what is it? Called? Blood How do we moon? not know that super well, moon? Yeah, the super moon. Look at the headline: Super moon saves the Suez Canal. Yeah, but you have to do something you actively to make it look like you're doing something, right? You can't just be like trust us. The moon Sunday, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll get moving again. You got to like at least act like you're doing something. A guy pushing it with his hands or something. Jeff from Ingleside texts in. Don't forget the, well, he said he calls it my ear canal. All right. No, I think we're done. I lied. There is a canal here, apparently. The Sturgeon Bay Ship Canal. <laughs> so, how wide is that? Oh, it's 1.3 miles long. I don't know. It, not very. Doesn't look like. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Mitch just reminded you. Lou reminds us, Evil Knievel had to jump a canal at some time. Well, Lou, I need more than that. I mean, what, what, what good does that do me here? Is the bottom of the Grand Canyon typically a, or technically a canal? Water runs through it. Does it now you're no. going to... Now, hang on. Now, the official definition of a canal is an artificial waterway mm, okay. constructed to allow the passage of boats or ships inland or to convey water for irrigation. I don't believe that that would qualify, Mike. That would not call. 1893 is when this canal in Wisconsin got built. It's Stur- 125 feet wide, 20 feet deep. Sturgeon Bay Ship Canal. Now, obviously, the um, caveat there is they limit the ships that are mm-hmm. moving to and fro. Yeah, doesn't say what kind, but yeah. Does the captain of the was it Ever Given? Mm-hmm. Is that what? It was? Mm-hmm. Does the captain of the Ever Given? Is he ever allowed to navigate the Suez Canal again? Like, if, if you are the boss of the captain, his name should come off the top of our... our it should roll off our tongue, too. How, how is it I don't know the name of the captain? I mean, we knew Sully right away for good. How do we not know the captain of the Ever Given? How do we not know his name? How is his name not top of mind? But um, does he does he keep his job... And if so, is he allowed to captain that largest cargo ship in the world ever again? And if so, is he allowed to navigate the Suez Canal ever again? Or, or does he just get a ticket? I mean, think about it. If the, if Marilyn Mosby, if she was set to prosecute this situation, she'd go, no, not that big a deal for me. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you pass through again. What do you think? Yeah, I, Judging by the severity of the damage done in this canal, <laughs> I think you're good to go. It's not like he rammed it good full to go. speed. Like I, I think this ship captain, or man or woman, we don't know, will be able to 
sail again because it, he didn't ram it full speed into the into the edge. You know, he wasn't texting and sailing. <laughs> he was, he was, they're going to do an investigation. You do get a lot of hearings, though. Like you, there, there are big investigations when you're talking about stuff like this, though. I, I think we're going to learn a lot more about the moments that led up to it. I mean, 400 ships stuck because of it. That's And then th- there was a, a worry about pirates because you, in essence, had this bottleneck and all these ships that were just, well, sitting ducks, mm-hmm. right? And they were worried that pirates would take advantage of these treasure troves just sitting there idling, waiting to pass through. But I don't think we ever got to that stage. And you know what? Good on those pirates. They, they were not going to get pigeonholed into taking advantage of all these ships. They proved us wrong. They showed good restraint. Um, I think in the pirate community, you have to pick and choose your battles. This is a bad look. I think they realize that if we go after this flock of ships, and that is the term for a group of ships, a flock, if we go after this flock of ships, uh, that's too easy. We're a pirate. We need we need to make things a little more difficult on them. So they did show some restraint. Did you look up the name of the captain yet? No. Oh, I thought you were. Okay, never mind. And yes, thank you to all of the texters. We got it. There's also the Root Canal. Mm, thank you for that. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, I, I understand there, uh, Lynn, uh, Lynn saying, Scott, really? A flock of ships, not a fleet? How about an armada? I, I know, Lynn, it's just a joke. Just, just a little joke. But some of the, the images, though... It's tough to kind of wrap your mind around how big that ship is, right? It's as large, but a little larger than the Empire State Building. But even that doesn't do it justice until you saw photos of, for example, a a front end loader, for example, a front end loader which was on the uh, on the sand right next to it, and you look at that thing and you go, it's just it's it's. It's no comparison. Oh, this is a treat. Now, this isn't uh, the Kyle. Um, I should tell you and everybody, when when we do WTMJ nights, 6 to 9, weekdays, when we do WTMJ nights, this next caller has carte blanche. Uh, let me show you that. Carte, carte blanche. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad he's called up. I, I'm glad he's still awake because every once in a while, you never know. You never know. Southside James. James, I didn't know you get up this early. <laughs> Jeez, Scott, I, what, what, do you, what do you figure I'd sleep all day and uh, listen to you all night? I thought that's how you roll. <laughs> so are you excited, Are you excited, James, to learn that finally that massive ship has been dislodged and it is the Suez Canal, again, is open for business? Well, I told you that it was going to be open before uh, we get a new uh, police chief or whatever you want to call it. That is true. Now, real quick, we we had the question the other night on WTMJ Nights. It was a Twitter poll. What happens first? What happens first? Do they dislodge the cargo ship or does the Fire and Police Commission get out of their legal entanglements with Chief Morales and finally get around to naming a new permanent police chief. And overwhelmingly, the Twitter vote went for, you know, the ship is going to be freed before that happens. And sure enough, because every single thing, and James, you know this, but every single, every single development, locally, 
uh, nationally, internationally, in my mind, every single development that is delayed, whenever it's a, a question of when will this happen, when will the couture be built, when will the ship be dislodged from the Suez Canal, every one of those when will it happen, in my mind, is measured to the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission. That is the standard to which all other delays are measured. And so, yet again, James, yet again, something else happened before the FPC finally got their act together. They did it. Uh, Scott? James? Hello? James, hello? Uh, they, had a, they had a windstorm there, a sandstorm there. That's the reason why that thing blew off, blew off uh, to to the uh, other control there. Yeah. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's it's not as if the the um the captain is completely to blame. There was a you know weather conditions with that wind that what cross I say cross breeze, but it was more than a breeze. That crosswind certainly uh, caused it to run aground, as they say in the nautical industry. And you know what? You're, you're talking about a flock. That's birds. There's a fleet, or or it could be a, a convoy of ships. Convoy, not a fl- convoy. Okay. You, you once ships compared to a, a, a flock of ships. Well, you know, yeah, James, I'm just, I'm, I'm, well, you know, I'm just pulling different words out from my vocabulary and things like that. That's I all. know you got a good va- vocabulary, a good. Uh, we're vocabulary. always learning new words from you. Well, I try, James. I try. Anything else, <laughs> James? Anything else on the way out here? Any reaction? Any anything you would like the WTMJ audience to know? Uh, about the Suez, you once went through the Suez Canal when you yes, were in I the did. service. And, and once, and once, and like I said, it, by the lake there, one side uh, has the sand, is desert on one side, and there's green, less green on the on the other side. There, it's a it's a wide place there, that good sized lake there. But it takes about twenty four hours to go from one end to the other end at about two mm-hmm. or three miles an hour. That's what you're going. When you go from one end, from the bottom end to the to the mid, or from the mid down the opposite sure, way, yeah, sure. and so it's going to ta- it's going to take a, probably a week to get all those ships because you're going to only allow about forty or fifty ships in the co- in the convoy to go each way there with about a mile between each one of them and everything mm-hmm. else. But it's an interesting place, uh, part of, part of the world that uh, that you, that you don't see all every day or whatever it is, but. Uh, no, you're right about that. No, you look. You you are you are right about that. I gotta go, James. I'm glad you called into the Wagner show. Do you do you often call into Jeff's show? Well, I try to, but sometimes okay. I don't get on. You know, I well, you look, your, look, your look. Show, hey, hey, but but your show it's easier to get on. Come on, Scott. I I like I like your show better. Well, whoa, careful now. No, we we careful, well, but, careful. But, we don't want to offend at at that nighttime. But hey, but but. But but uh, Jeff does a good job too. I try to get on his show, but you know, Jeff Jeff is uh, you know he's a, a veteran he's a lawyer in him and everything else. You know how that is. Come no, on. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, James. Himself and laugh at, probably listening to his show and says, Scott, you're doing a good job. <laughs> James, James, <laughs> you made my day. Thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. You made my day too, Scott. There he goes. Jay- out for the whole week. Southside, James. See, Kyle, you again not being producing at night. See, now, now I feel complete. Like now, I can move on with the show. People are going, well, what are you going to move on to? 
You've been talking a nonsense for the last 20 minutes. No, we're talking about the situation in the Suez Canal. This is the most worldwide impactful story of the last week, and we're discussing it. And now that Southside James has weighed in, I feel, I feel complete. I feel like the show can move on. We will move off the Suez Canal topic. And yes, I know it is not a flock. Somebody says it's a gaggle of ships. Okay, we'll take that under consideration as well. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. I have, and I have been since a kid, I've always been a, uh, a monster movie guy. Have I told you this? I don't know why. I think as a kid, I just thought it was kind of cool. I'm talking Godzilla. I've seen all the Godzilla movies at some point. You know, all the bad ones that were produced in the 60s and 70s that were, you know, before the dawn of real technological innovation in terms of movie in terms of movie making but i um i I don't know it's a guilty pleasure i think maybe is the best way to call it i cannot tell you how geeked i am for godzilla versus kong now i know there's probably people that are geeked for it just because this is going to be a big a big uh, you know a a major motion picture something that something you're going to see on the big screen something you have to see at the big on the big screen because it's it won't be done justice to watch it on your phone, for example, or to stream it at home. As nice as your entertainment system is, this one, you can't watch Godzilla versus King Kong on anything other than a movie theater-sized screen with the, with the speakers booming all around you. I am on record, and I, I think I, we, we talked about this. I don't know if I was in for Jeff or Steve a couple weeks ago. I do... I do find myself very skeptical when it comes to the future of the movie theater industry. Maybe expedited a little bit or fast-tracked because of the pandemic, but more so because of the streaming platforms. We talk about streaming platforms all the time. Because these production companies are looking at things and going, you know, we could release this in theaters, traditional theater release but we could also release it on various platforms and let people watch it at home and with the advent of the technology that's available in your house or in your basement your home theater i just think that moving forward the ind- the, the movie the traditional movie theater industry will not be what it has been and there will be a decline over the rem- rest of my lifetime for example even once we get through the pandemic, the pandemic may be certainly expedited things, but overall, the movie theater industry, as we know it, is is ticking down, let's put it that way. There's just too many other options, too many other options, even without considering the pandemic, and, and that, that is a big factor, certainly. That said, when, we, when I talked about it last time, a couple people said, well, but Scott, you're still going to need to go to a theater. You're going to need that experience for these major motion pictures. The, these, what's the word? Not major motion picture. Blockbuster. Yeah, blockbuster. Something that needs to be enjoyed on a gigantic, humongous screen. Like having Godzilla battle King Kong on a wall the size of a scoreboard in a stadium, right? Which is what you get at a, at a, at a movie theater. And that's... That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I think movies like this, maybe the uh, you know the Avengers 
other blockbuster type movies, although that's not the right word. I'm talking about blockbuster productions because Tom Hanks and and, uh, Meryl Streep could have a blockbuster big motion picture, but I could watch that at home on my flat screen. An event? Event movie? Some are better with Is that it? Is event movie. Maybe maybe it's an event movie. I'm talking... I need noise, and there's there's explosions, and uh, two in this case monsters. You're a movie guy. What how am I? What, what what am I trying to say? Is it an event movie? Is that what I, is that the phrase we're going with? I I think blockbuster is it because I think that there is a certain production quality to blockbusters, and that they're they're usually released in the summer or on like Christmas time, and typically you don't really need. A plot necessarily to be entertained action movies right. action there's more action. Oh, yeah, i'm talking about like the rock like movies with the, any movie with the rock <laughs> that like that is the perfect example we talked about you know we've talked about this like what rampage that, oh uh, yeah that, that rock movie where like the it's like king kong yeah <laughs> I, where you don't need to understand why it's happening you just sort of watch it and, and you're entertained by it yeah which by the way that thing's been on cable like in the last month. Well, you've been eating like, it three up three or four you? times, <laughs> wherever that, and it's so bad, it's so bad, and yet, ah, oh, man, look at that giant wolf, <laughs> look at that gorilla climbing the building. All right, I'll watch the end of it, and the acting is not good. I won't say it's bad, but it's not exactly well. It's not Academy Award winning performances. But there are those, yeah. Uh, Diane in, in, in Economowoc says like epic movies, an epic, yeah, that that you need to see in a theater. Other than that, I have no reason to go to the theater anymore. I, I just I I don't. But I'm going for this. But I will not be there Wednesday night because I've also never been much of a much of an opening night guy. Oh, I got to see it with everybody and packed whatever packed house is these days. I don't know, but no, it'll still be there in a week or two weeks. What is the what is the worst movie you can't get enough of? I, I I say that because I just said how bad Rampage is, and yet I watch it. It's so bad, it's good. What do you got? Oh, First one that comes one. to mind. It's um, so bad, it's good. They put me on the spot. Um, like a lot of those Godzilla movies from the past are bad because you can when the fighter jets come in, you can see the the string. <laughs> That's holding them up. I mean, it's for its time, it was pretty historical, pretty remarkable. But now, decades, 50, 60 years later, you go, wow, how bad is that? Yet it's so bad. For me, it's good. What about you? Do you have a It's So Bad, It's Good movie? Yeah, you ever seen Mars Attacks? <laughs> oh, that is That's so a great bad. One. <laughs> that has literally like 15 A-list celebrities. Which... How how does that happen? How how do isn't uh, Jack Nicholson the president? Yeah, that's right. Okay, how does Jack Nicholson make a movie like that? You always hear about these A list, and, and that's that's like A plus plus list actors. Well, I I saw the script and I couldn't put it down. I had to make this movie, and yet he saw that script and he made the movie. These these the, the movies that are so bad they're good, and then they get these great actors to to. to to take role. Wow, how does that happen? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan was in it. He was James Bond at the time. Did you come up with it yet? I've stalled long enough for you. Yeah, you did. Can I get it? I'll get you after okay, the news. Okay, fine. Let, let's do the news, and then Mike Spaulding's going to... Let's open this up for just a, a couple minutes, too, Kyle. 
For me, it's any Godzilla movie. I hope Godzilla vs. Kong is good, and it will not qualify and, and uh, be categorized as a it's so bad, it's good movie. Give me your movie, it's so bad, it's good. 855-616-1620. Brownie points to you if it's a Godzilla movie. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Then it begs the question, why do you love it so? What makes that bad movie so good? What is it about it that makes it good for you? When you know it's bad, when you know the plot line is so stupid, when you know the acting is so poor, when you know maybe the special effects are anything but special, and yet it just it pulls you in. I don't know. Is it like seeing a, a, you know, a car crash and you have to watch because it's so bad you cringe, but you keep your eye open? I don't know. 855-616-1620. Somebody did ask me, all right, for the record, who you're going with, Kong or Godzilla? I don't know. You know, it's it's tough. Godzilla, I mean, originally, way back in the day, was a a, a destruction-seeking monster, an evil monster. But as we know, Godzilla ultimately turned out to be the protector of the Japanese people. Did you know that, Kyle? Okay, just making sure. Tom in Milwaukee. All right, Tom. Give me a movie that's so bad it's good. Uh, you'd have to go back to the 80s for this one, but uh, Repo Man with uh, Emilio Estevez. After being fired from his job, Los Angeles slacker and punk rocker Otto... Amelia Estevez, lands a gig working for an eccentric repossession agent named Bud. At first, Otto is reluctant to work as a repo man, but he grows to love the fast-paced job. After learning of a Chevy Malibu that has been given a $20,000 price tag, Otto embarks on a quest to find the car with the uh, beautiful Layla, who claims the trunk's contents are otherworldly. Wow, Tom. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. And I'm not sure what pulls me back in. Yeah, but why? The first time, first time I saw it, I thought, man, this is the worst movie I ever saw. But <laughs> I guess it's a cult movie. And the more I watch it, the more things I pick out oh. of the movie. And uh, I, I really enjoy it. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Well, when is the last time you came across it on, I assume, television? Or maybe you're you're streaming it or you've got the DVD or something like that? Oh, it's it's been probably a year since I've seen oh, it. Oh, okay. It was 1984. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. Repo. Repo Man. So bad, they're good. Dennis in Union Grove. Hey, Dennis. Yes. What's yours? Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. See, you couldn't even say the title without laughing. <laughs> I know. I watched it just to see. Just uh <laughs> Try to figure out how they can make make tomatoes. Oh, we, oh, you're cutting out. We lost you then. I think he was going to say um, how they made tomatoes what come alive. So in that case, and, and that's part of the Godzilla fascination with me. It's the how exactly did they take these special effects? It, it gives you a glimpse into the special effects of, in the case of the tomatoes, seventy eight. Or the Godzilla movies in the 50s and the 40s and things like that. Hmm. 
William in St. Francis. All right, William, the movie for you that's so bad, it's good. That would be The Green Slime from the 1960s. All right, hang on here. 1968. Two space station astronauts destroy an asteroid, then face monsters formed from viscous cells. Why, why are you drawn to that thing? You know it's bad. Oh, the, the special effects are so laughable. Space is like a blue background with white dots on it. And the back, the, the rocket ships have like a sparkler coming out the back with smoke <laughs> rising. And the monsters are like six feet tall with tentacles with one giant eye. Whenever you shoot them with your laser rifle, their blood makes more creatures. Oh. And it's just, it's absolutely hilarious. You, you'd recognize a lot of character actors from back then. They were in like a hundred movies. And it, it's just one of my favorites since I was eight years old. Wow. When's I the last time you... DVD and oh, you have the DVD. I, I watched it last, last year. Yeah, I bought it last year. Last, last year was the last time I watched it. But now I'm going to have to watch it again now that you brought the subject up. It's just a classic of horrible special effects. <laughs> and, you know, drama with the commander and his rival fighting over a woman and everything. And oh, yes. It's just great. The damsel in distress. Excellent All movie. right. Well, pop it in this weekend, William. Thanks for the call. All right, let's see here. Fred and Franklin. All right, Frederick, give us your movie that's so you bad go. it's good. The, the corniest movie I ever saw in my whole life. Written, directed, and produced by Eddie Mur Murphy. Eddie Murray. He's got Danny Vito in there. Richard Pryor's in there. Oh, gosh, I don't know. There's a couple other big-name actors in there. Danny Aiello. about yeah, uh, Danny Aiello, and it takes place, Danny DeVito's in there, and Danny Aiello's in there, too, and it takes place around 1910 or 19-something like that, and his little kid is in, they're in a crapshoot uh, in a, uh, a gambling room, and this guy uh, uh, shoots craps all the time, and he gets mad, and he's going to knife this, the guy that owns the club. Well, the little kid there has grabs the gun from underneath the table and shoots this guy, kills him. Well, Eddie Murray is the is the Murphy. is the owner. Well, he it's it's Murphy. It's 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 it goes ahead to the 1930s in the in the, in those days. And then the speakeasy. This guy had speakeasy. This guy has grown into a young man by now. But uh, um, Eddie is the owner of the casino and uh, and, uh, and this place. And it just is so corny. Uh, Danny DeVito so is coming it? in so there. What He's is in it? A, I, I, uh, so what is it that pulls you in? What is it about it, Fred? What, it, you know it's corny. You said it three times right here in our conversation. You know it's bad. You know it's corny. And yet, maybe you have it. Or if not, you come across it on television. You're going to watch. Why? What are you watching for? It was it was corny and funny. It was just uh, how, how, how ridiculous. I mean, how could they get these big name actors to do this thing? And the story theme was just so funny and corny that it was he had, he had to watch. Okay, it. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've, I've never I've, heard of it. I've never seen it before. Thanks for the call, Fred. But uh, maybe it's okay. All right, and last one here. Last one here. Marcus on the north side. All right, Marcus, give me your movie that's so bad it's good. Uh, yeah, this is from when I was a kid. I'm 51. Uh, Gamrock versus Godzilla. Gamrock! Flying yes! Turtle. Gamrock. Everybody keeps forgetting about the flying turtle. And I was so amazed. Like, how does a turtle has fire? He spins in the air, and then he fights Godzilla. I mean, they, they made a couple of series off of it, but it was just so bad. It was just like a turtle that 
flies, and then huh. everybody feels sorry for Gamma Rock. <laughs> well, here's the it was you know so it, just, it, yeah Gamera G A M E R A. I saw that movie. Yeah. I remember that movie. Now the. Here's how they, but here's how they would explain it. This is how you could get away with explaining monsters. Radioactivity. That's it. It was just sort of they. There, there was a radioactive, uh, you know, accident in the middle of the ocean, and suddenly it dripped on a turtle, and now it's a monster turtle. That's that's the only explanation you need. That's it. That's it. That's it. And look, and he ends up yeah, King I'm, Kong and Godzilla. King, fire, sp- yeah, King Kong and Godzilla right, are going to sp- debut on Wednesday night, Marcus. And it's basically the same thing. Right. There's there there's nuclear waste, right. nuclear waste, and radioactivity, right. and that's all we need as a viewer to go. Okay, well that makes sense. Then of course there'd be a giant turtle facing a giant lizard because of nuclear waste. Right, and then he spins in the air with fire coming or out of his legs or what i'm trying to understand that part and that's how he flew that's how he flew yeah it was like uh, turbo <laughs> boosters coming out of the holes in the shell right, right. There yeah. you go. Thank, you. thank you marcus yeah. oh that that takes me back i oh oh gamera yeah godzilla mecha godzilla there were aliens involved rodan mothra gamera and all those movies All those movies are so bad and so poorly made, and yet they're so bad, they're good. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I think masks have been important, but they still are important. It's not like they're not important anymore. Um, Oh, I know, I know, and that's the great debate. I'm so glad we don't have to debate masks anymore. We, We just, we don't. However... Uh, one of the real silly things is, I don't know if you've been watching the college basketball tournament. <laughs> it's just, these coaches wear the mask, but unless they want to scream at a referee who's two and a half feet away from them, in which case they take the mask down, yell at the ref, and then put the mask on. Or, like most of them, just wear it like a chin diaper. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm... But masks are important. Which is why it's, I'm going to try to describe this. There are researchers in, uh, is this Mexico? Yeah. Researchers in Mexico have made a mask. Oh, just picture this. That is meant to cover your nose only. So that while you're eating or drinking, you do not have to move the mask. So picture this. It has the straps around the back of one's head, like a normal, right? It has the ma- straps around the back of one's head and over the ears. And then it basically is just the nose. It's just the nose portion of a mask. It looks like a beak. So here in this video I'm looking at, there are all these people wearing these beaks while they eat. Now, the problem with that is what? The problem is that the virus can enter your mouth, which is why it's important you wear your mask correctly, covering your nose and your mouth. And if you don't, it's like you're not wearing a mask at all. But here, we are now, well, we aren't, Mexico is, creating masks that only cover the nose. Look like a bunch of birds pecking away at their lunch. That just covers your nose, so your mouth is unobstructed to eat and drink, which in the end 
not only looks silly, but completely defeats the purpose of wearing anything. Uh, it defeats the purpose of wearing a mask at all. Because it's not as if COVID goes, oh, I'm not going, uh, the particles of COVID are not going to enter that person because they're eating and he's got his nose covered. That doesn't matter, folks. But maybe there's a buck to be made. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Listen, hang on a second. Don't leave yet. This is a reminder. This is another reminder day of, I've told you this before, I say this every opportunity I get on a day like this. The most annoying of all weather elements is wind. Wind? Wind. It's wind. I was going to say drizzle. No, But there's no wind. drizzle today. Wind. Yes. Wind disrupts Everything. Oh, Were no. you outside yesterday? Uh, yes. Were you disrupted by the gusts of wind? Uh, I worked all day, so I wasn't out that much. So, no, I wasn't. Okay. Kyle, were you outside yesterday? <laughs> you you and uh, the missus are very outdoorsy. You like the walks and the trails and the biking and the things. Were you not disrupted by the wind yesterday? Uh, yeah, we actually went for a walk in the morning okay. at some time. I and? Can't, I can't remember when, but it was very, uh, it was before noon, and it was very sunny. It was very nice. We are like, hey, let's go walk, go get go get some coffee, mm. and we can walk back. It didn't bother you, did it? Oh, oh no. Melissa. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was no, waiting. There's gosh. more to the story. I could see it on his face. Well, we had, we had the wind at our back on the way there, the wind fit coming towards us on the way back, and... Our walk back home was See? terrible. The, the 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 clouds had come in. The wind was in. Mm. I was wearing. Both of us were wearing ball caps, and we had to walk with our heads down the entire mm. time. Otherwise, they were flying off See? our heads. And yeah, I mean, it's at, at that point, it's like we're not we're not enjoying this at all. Exactly. <laughs> that proves my point. There is no other weather element: rain, snow, sleet, drizzle, mist. Clouds, sunlight. There is nothing as annoying as, as wind. Drizzle. It, it as wind. No, drizzle is fine. Like drizzle. A, a little drizzle is fine. It's a light little mist on your face. It's fine. When does it get annoying and bad? When you factor in wind and drizzle, then it's like little pellets just penetrating your skin. It's painful sometimes. Wind makes every wind makes all the other weather elements much worse, maybe annoying, maybe sometimes death. I mean, think about it. What makes, think of a, a snow. A, a blizzard. A beautiful mm. snowfall at Christmas time, right? The snow falling, beautiful Christmas lights glistening. <laughs> Suddenly you add wind oh and you have a blizzard and people are dying, oh, right? It's pretty extreme, yes. Well, but again, that's the power of wind. The most annoying and I may go so far as to say just the flat-out worst of all weather elements. Everything is fine. You take all those other weather elements, if stand alone, it's fine. It's beautiful. A, myth, a nice rainfall. Who doesn't like the pitter-patter of raindrops on your roof, right? It's calming. It's soothing. Oh, it's a spring rainfall. Now the wind picks up, and we have a rainstorm, and we have flooding, and things are happening. What is a tornado? A tornado is wind it's deadly wind 
I'm just saying there's nothing like wind. And on a day like this, we were just looking out the window. Well, sorry. Let that we're looking <laughs> at a camera. <laughs> yes. For, for the, how many years has this building been up? 90 <laughs> years? windows in here. Well, since, they, since TV entered this our window is a is the DOT cam. <laughs> so I but but look out there. Look, look outside right now. Looks if you're in beautiful. your car, just mm. look up. I don't okay. is there a cloud out there? It's kind of like yesterday, Kyle, because the the sun is shining and yet if we were to go out there right now, what did you say gusts up to 40 up miles to, an hour? Yeah, up to 40 miles an hour, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Some of the cameras are shaking as if there's an earthquake mm. happening. <laughs> See somebody says uh black ice is also bad. Okay. That's bad, yep. Okay. But again, again, ice forms, the weather gets cold. What happens? The weather gets cold. If you just talk temperature, if I were to say it's going to be 27 degrees out today and it's December 3rd, whatever, you go 27, that's not bad. What's the follow-up question? What's the wind chill? Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're asking about the wind. What's the wind chill? All right, I get it. I can handle 27. If there's a wind chill that makes it feel like five below, now I'm probably not going to go outside. Well, even wear just... your windbreaker. Your windbreaker. Do they really deflect the wind? No. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to use the term <laughs> that you want me to use. Do windbreakers really work? Do they break wind? I wanted you to say that. Were you guys wearing windbreakers when you were walking yesterday? No, we were bum- bundled up, though. I mean, we, we wore jackets and had, like, you know, a sweater or something like that. So what happened yesterday to you, Scott, where the, the wind just <laughs> no, really like, set you off? I've, I've, maybe I've just never, <laughs> never gone off on the wind yeah, you've, in front you've of reached, you guys. You've reached your wow. limit on I've, wind. I've, I'm I've, impressed. I've been, I've been touting this for a, a couple years now, and when I get the opportunity on a windy day like this, I just like to draw attention to the fact that wind makes everything worse. And be, because of that, it's the most... Un- Plus, it can just be annoying sometimes. I mean, even if it's not a day like this where it's gusting at 50 miles an hour, it, it, it's just you're outside, you're having a picnic. How about a summer picnic? Breeze picks up, what happens? Things start blowing around. That's kind of now, fun. It, it hasn't ruined your day. It's just annoying. Mm-hmm. Somebody pin that pin that tablecloth down. Oh, we can't use paper plates. They're going to blow around. Well, put this cup on the paper plate. It, it can be annoying in little instances. A breeze can be nice. It gets windy. And now we have a problem. Now your now your picnic table is is going to become all cattywampus. That would be true. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like a blitz tangent. you, blitz you with wind. But yeah, that's fine. Now just well, remember, I'm glad you feel. You know how you feel. It's just, important. There is. I would like somebody else to make the case that there's another weather element worse wor- worse than wind. Somebody said, "Well, what if you're into sailing or kite flying or surfing?" Yes, but what do you get when you're surfing? Oh, the surf is too rough. Why? No, you you want some. The good surf surfing. is too rough. No, Sometimes they don't people let people out there. That's true. too dangerous. The surf is you rough. You want it to be. A, you want it to be a good wind out there when you're surfing. Lake Michigan can be a little tricky, but nine two zero. I could not agree more. I hate the wind. Hate the wind. It makes chilly days. Even chillier, if not altogether freezing, it makes warm days annoying. You're out at the ballpark watching a baseball game. It impacts sports, right? Oh, the wind was blowing out and the Brewers lost because the home run was into the jet stream and and went out and and, uh, Josh Hader blew the save. Why? Wind. 
That thing doesn't get out on a non-windy day. Wind, right? Football, I, I, football, Melissa Barclay. Never... Think about football. Mason Crosby, <laughs> Mason Crosby's success or failure on a given day could be attributed to what? Drizzle. No. Wind. Wind. <laughs> Wind can. I have to throw that at you because you're every element in our lives. You're having a moment. I see that. It's okay. I don't like wind. Okay, there. If 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 not just you, but if if any of you out there take nothing else from this from this show, this three hour Jeff Wagner show, <laughs> what is Jeff's least favorite weather element? Huh? I'd put up wind against any other of Jeff's least favorite weather element. Hugh in uh, Florida. Hello, Hugh. Hi, how you doing, Milwaukee? Born and raised in Milwaukee, lived uh, all my, almost all my life in West Dallas. I uh, moved down here to uh, Silver Springs, Florida, yeah. uh, which is the uh, central Florida, which is the lightning capital of the United States. And lightning is the most one of the most feared weather element down here. Two years ago, I I had a tree in my backyard struck by lightning, and I took out three TV sets, a computer, oh, wow. a microwave, and some other. Okay, stuff. okay, but and, Hugh, uh, Hugh, Hugh, uh, Hugh, yeah. Hugh, hang on, I'm I'm not talking. I, I define wind as the most annoying, if not altogether worst, of weather elements. I didn't say wind is the most feared. That's a different conversation. The most feared element of weather is a different topic, and lightning might be a. You might be able to make a strong case for lightning, but I will say well, this, Hugh. If you live down here, it's very annoying because more than likely the lightning is going to strike somewhere close by. Let me just say this, Hugh. When's the last time that okay. you, when, when is the last time you had to uh, batten down the hatches because a hurricane passed through last last well, season? Well, that's another thing. That's another thing. But living in Central Florida, we're about seventy miles north uh, west of Orlando, so we're away from the coastal areas. And when hurricanes get kind of into the inland area, there they they kind of lose a lot of their strength, and it's, it's not a real big fear right here where we are. But it's those gosh darn lightning storms that we get every day in the summertime that, uh, boy, you get your dog and your animals inside the house and, and stay away from windows, and, uh, boy, it's going to crack like crazy out there. Well, lightning doesn't crack. That would be the thunder that cracks. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> Thank you, Hugh. By the way, real quick, Hugh, uh, how warm is it right now in Silver Springs, Florida? I always like to ask you this. Okay, it's uh, 80 degrees right now, and then and the low tonight will be around 62. Okay, goodbye, Hugh. <laughs> That's what I just... Allie and Brown Deer. Hello, Allie. Hi. How are you guys? I love listening to you. I wanted to let you know that the farmers like the wind at this time of year so that it dries up the snow and the rain. And then so the spider can, the can climb up the spout again, too. And what? Nothing. Go ahead. I said, and then the spider can climb up the spout again, too. Very good. Oh, very good. Wait a minute. So farmers farmers are in favor of wind? Farmers are pro-wind? Farmers find wind to be uh, enjoyable and not, not annoying, even? It can be annoying, but at this time of year, if they've got to get their crops, they've got to have a dry field. What about... Dust storms, Allie. What about the dust bowl of this country? What about the wind <laughs> that has ruined lives, ruined crops, 
year after year in Oklahoma and, and, and the, the central part of this country. What do you say to those farmers when it comes to how much they, quote-unquote, love the wind? It's all natural. Nature happens. Oh, I like that response, Allie. It's all natural. <laughs> nature. I like that. <laughs> nature, make a t-shirt, Allie. Like nature that. happens. Nature happens, folks. Okay, yes, yes. nature happens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, Allie. All right, last one here. Oh, what would be a show if we didn't hear from Gianni? All right, Gianni, where are you on the topic of wind? Hey, I don't like wind uh, unless it's uh, blowing my windmill and producing power. But um, listen, um, historically speaking, when you when you look at biological life, uh, human beings, uh, Homo sapien on this planet, it's the cold that that kills you. It's not it's not the uh, it's not so much the wind. Um, remember, it was the cold, and I, this is coming from someone that suffers from cryophobia. Why I'm in Wisconsin, I don't know, but um, it was the cold that sent the glaciers um, halfway down, uh, you know, to cover North America. Um, so cold is, is a real enemy. It freezes water, so you can't access it. Um, once the body drops below 92 degrees, unless you have an energy source of food or, 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 or petroleum or heat, um, you're dead, you know. Right, it's right. Cold. So, so right. I, oh, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said. But it can be cold, and when you factor in the wind, does it not become colder? Oh, it does. Okay, Absolutely. there you go. Thank you, Gianni. Thank you very much. The wind makes cold colder. Should I hit the break now? Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Somebody just said they uh, just came from the grocery store. Um, a car parked next to them. The driver opened the door. Wind got hold of it, slammed into their car, and dented their car. Just saying, I just want you to think about this moving forward. I just I plant that little seed in your mind, and go, ne- next time you go outside, to go, man, Warris, boy, he was fired up. It was kind of annoying that half hour, but by God, he was onto something. The next time Gianni calls, and he will call. The next time Gianni calls, remind me to ask him, why are you living here if you have cryophobia? which is an abnormal and persistent fear of cold, including cold weather and cold objects. Didn't he, didn't he say he live. grew up here, though? Is he from? He's from here. Well, yeah, but if you, if, you, if you suffer from cryophobia, then why not move to a place where that phobia well, is not... I got, I got family know. here. Yeah, but if you fear the cold... All right, well, anyway. Do you have any fears, any phobias, anything that you know? Mm, I used to have... Oh. A lot of fears about germs. I used to be really bad. Germophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not really anymore though. I've kind of gotten over really? that. Really? Yeah. Now isn't that it's like my teen years? Isn't that interesting? We entered the pandemic. <laughs> I, know, right? I was worried and about Melissa that. Melissa is not as worried about germs no. as she was during her teens. I don't know why. In my teens, I was really worried about germs. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, I use a lot of hand sanitizer. Kyle, do you have a phobia? Uh, I wouldn't call it a phobia, but I'm not someone that would. Uh, if you have an insect in your apartment, it can't be relied. That's I right. can't be relied upon. We talked about this once before. Yeah, you you hide on a chair, or you stand on a chair and go. Ah! 
<laughs> does your uh, does your wife get the bug? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She will either get like a folder or something to either put it on, or she will also get like the paper towel and like we'll grab it with oh, the yeah. hand. I that's. Whoa, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me. <laughs> I have a lot of worries. I worry about weird medical conditions. Do you worry about that stuff? Like anything wrong with me, I'm looking it up on the internet. Oh, uh, Which they uh, say, don't do that, but... I forget the phobia so. that that is. Um, but you're a hypochondriac. No, I wouldn't say I'm that. I just think anything that could be wrong, like if I feel a pain, oh, like that's probably something. <laughs> And it's not. <laughs> it's like, ow, oh, oh, you broke your foot. That's what that is. All right. Uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, um, we, I do have great Scott for you. We'll get to that after the news. Also, I have this list, and I'm, I'm concerned because I don't know what I can drink that's not going to give me a heart attack. According to the scientists, the CDC, there I just I have to bring this to your attention because I don't know what's left to drink. Five drinks that may lead to a heart attack. And... Once you hear the five and everything that can be classified under those five, I'm not sure what's going to be left for us to consume that will not give us a heart attack unless we're just all supposed to drink water for the rest of our lives. So that's still to come. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Remind me on Wednesday, uh, we don't have a show on Thursday because of it's opening day. Wednesday, we'll need to, uh, we're going to talk a little baseball. I think we should talk uh, something like uh, opening day memories. I mean, good opening day stories. Everybody has an opening day memory, Kyle. We've got to craft something. to Give me something good. Like, I met my fiancé in the parking lot of an opening day back in 1999 and we were married, and it's been a blissful existence ever since. Something like that. I need something good. Because we know opening day is going to, and who knows what it's going to look like this year. Do you think there'll be less? This could be a good poll question for Wednesday. Do you think because of the limited number of people and the COVID mm, protocols, will there be less public vomit and urine in and amongst the stadium this time? Because that that's always that, you know what, I... I don't do opening day anymore because I've seen my fair share of public vomiting and public urination. I just don't need that anymore. You get to a certain age, and you don't need to see that anymore, especially when the people doing it are a heck of a lot older than you are. That's when you know, you know what? There's uh, 81 other games like these, and people have said this. There's opening day, and then there's the other... Well, no, there's 80, sorry. 162 divided by 2 is 81. There's opening day, I can do math, and then there's 80 other dates. I don't know. That's a question. We can be asking that on Friday, the day after. Right now, though, we do this. Great Scott! It's Easter week. You knew that, right? Big day on Sunday. Holy week, of course. Well, peeps. By the way, I am happy to say I polished off a package of peeps over the weekend. They're not particularly good. They don't taste like anything. But it makes me feel like it's spring. Makes me feel like Easter when I've popped some Peeps. Peeps is uh, teaming up with Pepsi to create a new unique take on soda. The companies have announced a collaboration to create Pepsi Peeps, which will combine the two flavors. All right, here's where they lose me. You can't buy it in stores. 
Instead, they're mini cans, like seven and a half ounce mini cans. They're going to be given away in three packs to people who post pictures of themselves celebrating spring in a socially distant manner. Pictures have got to be posted to Twitter or Instagram. Just tag Pepsi and include the hashtags hanging with my peeps and hashtag Pepsi sweepstakes. The brands will accept entries through Wednesday. So you only got a couple days left. If they like what they see, you'll win the seven and a half ounce mini cans of Pepsi uh, Peeps flavored Pepsi. Hmm? While the pairing of uh, the incredibly sweet spring candy with a cola product might seem unusual, Pepsi historically has not been afraid of shaking up the norm. Remember uh, a couple of years ago they rolled out what was that cinnamon flavored Pepsi called Pepsi Fire? Two years ago they introduced Pepsi Cafe. Of course, who can forget Crystal Pepsi back in 2016? But if you're up for it, and I hope you are, take your picture post it there, tag those two uh, particular hashtags and Pepsi and Peeps. We've waited and now we have it. They've come together to make one super sweet and uh, probably very unhealthy treat. Right, Scott! Here's some good news. Now this is really good. This, this should allow all of us to sleep soundly tonight. NASA has announced that Earth is completely safe from potential calamity-causing asteroid collisions for the next 100 years. Thank goodness. That's what they announced uh, a couple days ago. It uh, clears up any fears that had lingered since 2004 when the asteroid 9942 Apophis was identified as one of the most hazardous potential asteroids that could strike the planet. However... This has now been ruled out thanks to a growing understanding of the asteroid and its orbit by astronomers, as well as new radar observations using precise orbit analysis. So we're good for the next century. We're good for 100 years. Now, if you're listening to us and you're, I don't know, one or two years old, maybe three, four years old, you may want to check back again when you're 100, 101 years old. Just check in with NASA and see where they are in terms of asteroids. But at least for those of us who can rest assured are not going to be here a century from now, sleep soundly, America. Sleep soundly, planet Earth. NASA says no asteroids will hit us in the next 100 years. That should make your day right there. If not that, this hopefully did. A Monday Wagnerless show edition of... Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I promise this, so let me make good on it. Five drinks that may lead to a heart attack. Okay, I'm going to give you this list, Kyle, and then you tell me what's left. What's left to drink that I'm okay drinking? Five drinks that may lead to heart attacks. Huh. You're saying, where, where is this from? Uh, let's see. CDC, based on their requirements and guidelines for a good heart health. But just listen to this. Soda, soda, 
increases uh, the risk of heart disease, which is the leading cause of heart attacks. Okay, not, not shocking there. High sugar content. Okay. Coffee. All right. I mean, there is absolutely such a thing as drinking too much coffee. A recent study found that individuals who drink six cups of coffee a day or more can increase the fats, the lipids found in your blood. That would not be good for you. So no soda, no coffee. Energy drinks. <laughs> Energy drinks can increase the risk of heart disease by increasing blood pressure and causing abnormal heart rhythms. So soda, coffee, energy drinks. Alcohol. Okay. Alcohol. Um, studies have shown that women who drink regularly are in much higher risk to develop heart disease than men who drink regularly. And yet it's, you know, excessive drinking can lead to many health issues, as we all well know. So that's four. Soda, coffee, energy drinks, alcohol. Number five. You want to guess what's number five? Uh, just tea? No. Milkshakes. Milkshakes. Milkshakes, because, of course, they combine uh, the two components that are not good for the heart, like sugar and saturated fat. So that begs the question, what's left to drink that's not going to give us a heart attack? And maybe you just hit on tea and can milk, Lemonade, different, water. different fruit juices. Yeah. yeah, but a lot of that stuff has think, sugar yet. Well, it, it depends on what you're getting. Yeah, there's going to I mean, I need sugar in a lemonade. There's always going to be like natural sugar included okay. in, in fruit juice, but it's the added sugar. So something like a like a V8 or like literally freshly squeezed orange juice, you usually have to pay a little bit extra for that, um, but that's something you got to pay a little extra for the healthier stuff. I feel good about that list though. Like I I can't tell you the last time I had a milkshake number 1. Oh. That, that's not even it's liquid and solid. So it's not I'm already questioning the validity of this article. But, uh, like, sodas, energy drinks, I can't really give up coffee, personally. I think that's one that needs to stay oh. for me on the list, because I think a little bit of caffeine... What about alcohol? Yeah, Don't I you mean, drink alcohol? If I was told, uh, like, Kyle, you have you have developed some sort of disease where you literally have to cut it out of your life entirely, uh, I, I would wrestle with it, but you gotta, you know, you got to do it, right? I don't think it would be the end of the world... Losing that. And I could say the same thing with coffee, too. But, yeah, I mean, uh, not drinking sodas or any dr energy drinks anymore, that's an easy thing for me. I've already moved on to, like, seltzer waters, something like that, as, like, a soda substitute. So. There is part of me that always feels as if, you know what, give it give it two weeks, and there will be, there will be um, new research, a study somewhere that says... It's gone from killing you to saving you. I mean, I feel like y you hear that all the time. Now, some of this is, is basic knowledge. I mean, you, you pound seven or eight sodas a day. It's probably not good for your body, let alone your heart specifically. But I do feel just, and, and I know we learn more with science and things like that, but there was a point when red meat killed you, then red meat saving you, wine is not, wine is good. Eggs were killing us, and then eggs are saving us. And I don't, I just moderation is the key to it all, Kyle. Moderation. I, I just go into it knowing that I'm getting both of those things. I know that this is going to kill me, but th th this is also needed, or else I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. And yes, the, the tip of the cap to several of you on the text line that have said, 
Scott, especially uh, Peeps-flavored Pepsi. Yeah, Peeps. Yeah, that one did not make the list, but after what I just talked about in Great Scott, maybe it should. Peeps and Pepsi, that I'm going to put on the list as a uh, pseudo-sixth. Incidentally, you mentioned... uh, there's skepticism over milkshakes. Are you like me? Do you go through a milkshake? I I feel like I go through a milkshake uh, phase every year. I'm not in one right now. But um, like maybe it's in the summertime. I will go through a stretch where I'm pounding milkshakes left and right. I'll have it with a meal. I'll just go just to get one for dessert. You know, and I, I mean, in the course of a month, a few times a week, milkshakes. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. And then I go through an Oreos. I go, I'll go through an Oreo stretch as well. I'm not one in right now. I recently came off an Oreo binge. I'm telling you, I could polish off a sleeve of Oreos in a snap in one sitting. And I'll go through this Oreo phase of my life. It, it's, it's not healthy. It's not good. But then I, I always rationalize it by saying, well, I'm not going to go through another milkshake binge again for another eight or nine months. Maybe I'll have just one or two in that span, and so it all balances out. Moderation is indeed the key to everything. Shaka Smart's being introduced right now at the Al McGuire Center as the next head coach of Marquette. I know that's a story that Wisconsin's Afternoon News will be tracking. They're also going to get us ready for Thursday opening day. All kinds of good stuff on tap. John Mercure, Melissa Barclay, Greg Matzik. They'll have a preview next.